we thank you for rescuing us, Lord, despite that we were objects of your punishment, that we deserved your wrath. We thank you for drawing us in through your Son to be objects of grace. Lord, thank you that we are your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good things, that you make us objects of beauty. We praise you and we hope in you this morning, Father. Thank you for the cross and all that you have done in us through your Son. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to transition to a time of offering. Many of you know, but if you're visiting with us, we have baskets here that are from Rwanda that remind us that what God has done in Christ is a global act, and so that all people and all nations are to hear this message and to be reconciled to our God. And so at this time, I'd ask you just to gather with friends or family around you. If you're visiting, we don't ask you to give, but we do ask you just to pray that these things would be used to support God's kingdom, to give to various ministries throughout the world, and that people may know him. And so we ask you just to pray at this time, and when you're ready, you can come give. As you're opening your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, I want to also thank uh, Miss Diane and then also Joe and Sherrod and Chad and Becca for sharing their gifts with us this morning, leading us in worship. So you give those guys a hand. Thank you for uh, sharing your gifts with us and your gifts with the body. You open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 18 uh, of chapter 3 through chapter 4, verse 1. 
Yesterday I was at Kenneth and Stephanie's wedding and some people I haven't seen in a while uh, from home and shared with them that I was preaching now and they asked, and this is my third Sunday preaching if you're visiting with us, and they asked what passage, and I said, wives, submit to your husbands, that's the passage, and they were just like, wow, that's bold, huh? And so they didn't realize that this is simply where we are in the text, it's not that I chose to teach on this passage, I'm not that bold or that stupid, I don't think. So... If you're visiting with us, this is where we are in the book of Colossians. We've been walking through. I want to remind you especially of what we've been going through for the last couple of weeks. The title of the last two sermons have been Reflecting Our Father, How We Reflect Our Father. And where we started with that was in verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, the fact that we are God's chosen people. And from that reality of God coming and choosing us and we becoming his children through his grace, not of our own choosing, but his, we become a part of him. And through that, we're able to put on the character traits of him, which are compassion, kindness, forgiveness, peace, all of these things. And then at the end of that section of 12 through 17, uh, the last verse was, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is a summary verse. Everything that you do is to be to the glory of the Father. Again, as we said last week, there's no secular, sacred divide. All of our lives are lived to God's glory. And so where Paul's going to go from here is to discuss the home. Because here, here's the issue. Who we really are is who we are at home. And so if you don't live this at home, you're just faking it everywhere else. Where, when you're at home is when these realities, when these things, these character traits of who you really are, that's when they're going to be tested. And that's when what's inside is going to go flow out. And so if you can't live this at home, if you can't be compassionate, kind, forgiving at home, then you're faking it everywhere else. It's not real. And so that's why Paul is going to get into the home. And so we're going to read this passage together. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and we'll read verses 18 through chapter 4, verse 1. Beginning in verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Let us pray. Father, clarify your word. Send your spirit to us that we may hear and that we may obey. Lord, give us strength where your word is difficult for us. May you open our eyes to see your gracious love for us. That your commands are for our good. 
Thank you for your deep, deep love for us in Christ Jesus. And may we seek to live in your ways. May your spirit speak this morning. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Please be seated. The main point, if you please, will take out your worship bulletin and then take out your notes. It's very important that you have these. Please take those out. I hope that they will be helpful for you. But it's very important that you look at them because this sermon... I know this text is difficult, and you know this text is difficult, but here's the thing. We want to be biblical, and so that's what we're going to try to do this morning. The first line there in caps is the main point. The home should reflect God's new creation in Christ Jesus. This is what you are to remember. Your home should reflect God's new creation in Christ Jesus. Where you find what that is is in God's word, not your culture. That's very important. As you look at this text, just because your home doesn't look like this, doesn't mean it shouldn't. Yesterday at the wedding, Byron had given remarks on some passages like this, and he talked about the husband is to lead the wife, and she is to love him and respect him and submission and all these things. And we left and we went to the reception, and as we were walking in, there was a gentleman on the way in who said, that's not how my home works. I tell you, that boy was wrong about that stuff. You know, and it was just, wow. And so... It's I respect him, but just because our homes are not that this way doesn't mean they shouldn't be this way. They should reflect the word. They should. So the home should reflect God's new creation in Christ Jesus. I want to read this quote to you that is at the top of your notes. None of this is thought of as possible without the rule of Christ. The strong do not use their strength for the benefit of those who cannot compel them unless mastered by the Lord of love. Nor does anyone willingly yield allegiance to another since we are all self-willed unless constrained by love. And best of all, love for the Lord. Can we improve on this description of mutual dependence in the family? Can we regard it lightly? And expect Christian family life to survive? These are two questions that I hope to answer in this sermon. Can we improve on this description of mutual dependence in the family? Can we improve upon it? And I would submit to you that I think we have tried. And I think we've failed miserably. Can we regard it lightly and expect Christian family life to survive? I think you can look at our culture and say that we have regarded it lightly. And Christian family life has not survived well. And I hope to take this further in the sermon. Let me say just a couple more remarks. If you go home and you instantly point a finger at someone else, you haven't heard me correctly. If you go home and you instantly put the, point the finger at someone else, you haven't heard me. Now, if you pray for someone in love and in humility, you might have heard me right. So, also, your home is your most important responsibility. Your most important calling, your highest calling after to your Lord is to your home. If it isn't happening here again, you're faking it in other places. And let me just say this is a simple remark. My wife is smarter than me, and I am very aware of that. And you who know me and my wife, you know that too. So we're still called to this text. No matter who our wife is, who our husband is, we're still called to acknowledge the text. So the main points get to point one, equality before God. This is part of God's new creation in Christ Jesus. And you'll see point A, ancient household codes. What we're dealing with in the text is a form of a Roman 
household code. These were written also in the secular government life and all the society of Roman law. They wrote these Roman codes. And so what Paul's done is he's taken and baptized this style of writing and he's made it Christian. But here's what you need to know about those household codes. Ancient household codes called the women to fear their husbands. Even if, if they even mentioned the women, they called them to fear their husbands, not to submit. Husbands could legally throw out babies. Legally, they could just throw out the, any baby they wanted. They could resort to prostitutes, and they could make life miserable for their wives. Furthermore, outside of biblical literature, have, husbands were never told to love their wives. The word love in family life was never used. Household codes were simply for the purpose of just preserving civil life. And so husbands, whatever they had to do to maintain civil life in their home, they just did it. And there were no rules against whatever they wanted to do. The husbands had free reign. And so as you look at this household code, the very fact that children are mentioned, the very fact if you if you Think back to when the people of Colossae are hearing this letter read. The people there, the children, are hanging on. By their, and then they hear their name, the word mentioned, children. And it's dignity restored to them. He cares about us. We're equal in the sight of God. Slaves. Slaves listening in. And they hear the word slaves. And that masters are called to treat them rightly. Paul is an activist, and he is restoring dignity to these people. Here's the fact, the first thing of new creation, how we reflect Christ in the home, is every person in the home is equal before God. So the mother, the father, the children, whoever it is, equal before God, and to receive just treatment. And so immediately, husbands, if you don't listen to your wives, if you don't hear them out, if you don't listen to your children respectfully, wives, if you don't listen to your husbands, you're not living out the new creation of Christ. This is the equality that he has called us to in the home. We will get to these passages now. Colossians chapter 3, verse 11, it says, Here in Christ there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Also, Galatians uh, chapter 3, verse 28. If you'll look at that with me. Verse 28 of chapter 3 in Galatians. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Let me be very clear about what Paul is saying. He's saying that before God, your spirituality, before God, you are equal. As he looks at you, you are equal before God. Let me say what Paul is not saying. He's not saying you're not unique. And that's why when Paul gets to this passage, there still are husbands, there are still wives, there are still children. And so our roles may be different. 
our roles may be different. Paul's not saying those roles are gone, but what he's saying is spiritually you are equal before God and God looks on you, all of you in the family. And that is to be played out in the home and how you treat one another. So equality before God. And then this is where we're going to spend the most of our time, most of our time today. Uniqueness from God. Uniqueness from God. You'll see those points under Colossians 3.11, Galatians 3.28, where Paul has made very clear how beautiful this equality is. And let me read those for you. Submissive wives, please Christ. Whereas in Roman society, you just submit, not for any reason, but you just submit. Paul says you submit in the Lord and this pleases him. This glorifies him. Leaders lead with love and gentleness. Whereas in Roman society, they could beat, they could do whatever they wanted in their leadership. Here they lead with love. With sacrifice. Paul says even children please the Lord. Earthly slaves receive heavenly rewards. And earthly masters are judged. And so you see Paul emphasizing all these people. In Christ things are different. And we are equal in God. So uniqueness from God. Let me answer a question first. What happens when we don't recognize uniqueness? What happens when we don't recognize uniqueness before God? And here's where I think this plays out in our society. There are movements today that say we're equal. They try to emphasize our equality, but they also try to emphasize that we're just the same. And here's what happens there. When a man and a woman in the home are seen to be the same, you're basically saying that one that God's design is not important. What God said is his design for the home is a man and a woman to be together and to raise children. That is God's design in the home. And when we say that men and women aren't unique, what we're saying is that one man by himself could raise a child just as well as a man and woman. And I know there are single parents in here, and I know that that's a a difficult thing. And in most ways, you would probably agree that things work better when then there is a man and a woman, that this is God's design. But when we say that a man and women are just the same, in every way what we're saying is that God's design isn't best God's design isn't necessary and that's unbiblical so what we want to emphasize here is that God's design is best and that he has made us unique in our roles we are unique and so Husbands, point A, the family representative. And I have three pictures here that we want to walk through. The first is from the beginning in Genesis. God says to Adam that he wants to create a helper for him. A helper suitable for him. And so he takes a rib from Adam and he creates this helper. And then after he creates this helper, we talked about this last week. Eve ran into a trap with Satan, and she, she ate this apple that Satan tempted her to eat. And then Adam came along, and he also shared in this apple. He ate as well. Now, who does God go to to talk about this sin? Anyone? Who does God go to to talk about this sin? Adam. God goes to Adam. And Adam tries to blame it on the wife, and he tries to say, that one you gave me, she did this. But who is responsible? Adam. 
when we walk, go to Romans and we talk about the first sin that went through all humanity, whose sin was it? Adam's sin. It was Adam's sin. Adam was responsible as the leader, as the man in his home. As the one created by God to be with his wife, to lead his wife, he was held responsible. Adam, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. And we'll see this. Some of you would say that's just a patriarchal culture. And what I want to emphasize to you is this is throughout the Bible. Throughout the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. I didn't put this in your notes because I didn't want you to read it and then not listen to the rest of the sermon. So, (laughs) verse 3, but I want you to understand, this is Paul speaking, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. The head of the wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. Is God. That's one other place where it says the husband is the head. He is responsible. He is the family representative before God. Also go to Ephesians chapter 5. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5, many of you know there's a passage much like what we're reading in Colossians. And the truth is that the Colossians probably knew about this passage from Ephesians. Colossae and Ephesus were not far from one another. And through these travelings of apostles and others, uh, the people of Colossae probably heard about this letter from Ephesus and heard almost these same remarks. Paul is much, a little bit longer winded in Ephesians and he bases this relationship between the husband and the wife and the relationship between Christ and the church. And so in Ephesians verse 23, five, chapter 5, verse 23, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Verses 25 through 33, if you'll jump there. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes, nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, And the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she that she respects her husband. Throughout the scriptures here, Paul is saying, using all types of imagery. And what I want to emphasize is that this is timeless imagery. Christ is forever the head of the church. Some people would try to say that these passages are very cultural, just in a male-dominated society. But what Paul is saying is that the male has always been, before God, the head of the wife to lead his family, to be responsible for his family. And he is to do this as Christ has loved 
the church and laid himself down for the church. The point A, love your wives effectual the way Christ loves the church. Husband, your responsibility as the head of your wives is to love her as Christ loved the church. And this love is not just a sentimental type love, but what Christ did when he loved the church is he went and he laid his life down so that he might transform the church. And so you see that Christ's love is not just a love that stands by and says, I love you, but it's a love that dies and says, here, in my life and everything I do, I will love you. So Christ pursues the church in his love for and so the question for you, husbands, is do you actively love your wives by laying your life down for her? Do you sacrifice on behalf of her? Do you pursue her in her needs and her desires? Do you seek to make sure that those things, those longings in her heart are fulfilled? The way that you do this is by you seeking Christ. So that Christ overflows to your wives. Is this happening? Is this happening? You are responsible. I cannot emphasize this enough. When it comes down, we've, we've denied responsibility on so many levels. We've, we've said that this is why we have no fault divorce. We've heard of that? There is fault. And it is the husband's fault because he is the head. And notice, it doesn't say be the head as if it's an active thing. Regardless of if, if you're being the head well or not, you are the head. And so you're leading your family in some way, whether it's down a good road or down a bad road. You're leading. Are you doing well? Is your marriage a beautiful picture of Christ and the church? When people look to it, do they say, man, Christ really loves his people. Christ really loves his people. Do they see the model of Christ laying down his life for his body through you laying your life down for your wife? One quote, the sovereign God uses his appointed means and his appointed means for the cultivation of loveliness and wives is thoughtful, self-sacrificial love. On the part of husbands. What Paul is saying. People. Is husbands when you. When you love your wives as Christ loved the church. It changes her. It makes her more beautiful. As you lay your life down more and more. She your wife grows in joy and radiance. Because she experiences the love of Christ. And so while the reaction of most men in Roman society was when their wives were not doing what they wanted them to do was to get angry and to beat her or to, be, uh, to express this angry t anger towards her in another way, whatever way that may be, go to a prostitute or whatever, what Paul says is you love your wives and in loving her, it will transform her. Husbands, is your are your wives being transformed by your love? These are deep things and difficult things. B, wives, the Christ-like servant. Ephesians chapter 5, we'll stay there for a few moments. 
Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Verse 24. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And then verse 33. Where the wife, let the wife see that she respects her husband. These are her roles. What people will often jump to is verse 21. Look at Ephesians chapter 21, and this is something we need to discuss. It says in verse 21 right before this, we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now what people often do will say, we put too much emphasis on the wife submitting to the husband, but it also says that the husband is to submit to the wife right there. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And what I want to clarify for you here is that there are two uses of submission in the New Testament. Two uses of submission. There's general Christian submission to one another. There are no authority issues here. There's just general Christian submission to one another. This is in Philippians chapter 2 where Paul says a very similar thing. In verses 3 through 4, these are in your notes. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. This is a general Christian submission to one another where we look to the other's interest before our own. In the body, this is just what we do. And so when Paul says this in the verse before, what he's saying is a similar thing, is we should all submit to one another and recognize one another's needs above our own. This is the same thing Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. And there are no authority issues here. There are simply general Christian attitudes toward one another. But what's so important to notice is what Paul says in chapter 22 is different. If Paul was just saying, Paul wouldn't repeat himself. He wouldn't just say the same thing over again. Submit to one another out of love, and wives submit to your husbands. If it's the same thing, why does he repeat himself? The important point to note is that wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. These aren't the same types of submission. There's a different type of submission, and you see that later in the notes. Submission to an order ordained by God. This is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 24, what we just read. As the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So the order in which the wives is supposed to submit to their husbands is the same as, Christ, as the church submitting to Christ. The church submits to Christ as Lord. And this is the way that the wife is supposed to submit to the husband. There are other scriptures there to illustrate this point. 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. And the meaning of this is the wife puts herself under her husband and recognizing and living out an order established by God himself within the marriage relationship. And so I challenge you, when you see this passage, don't relativize it by just saying, we're all supposed to submit to another, one another, and that's all there is. God, if Paul is emphasizing an order established by God, that the husband is to be the head of his wife, that he is to lead her, and that wives in love at responding to the husband's love are to submit to the husbands, to respect him, to follow him. This is illustrated again in 1 Corinthians 11.3, what I read to you earlier. 
We didn't emphasize the point about the wife there, but just the husband. But he says, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of a wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. We see another picture of marriage in this passage. That as the wife, the husband is the head of the wife, God is the head of Christ. And so wives, I want to encourage you with this thinking. As you submit to your husbands and his leadership, you are able to follow Christ. Because this is what Christ did with the Father. And I place these passages there for you. It says... And I have quotes, if the son is simultaneously equal with the father and submissive to the father, then equality and submissiveness can coexist also in human relationships. And then you'll see point two under C, John 5, uh, John 530. Jesus says, I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 6, 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Matthew 26, 39. My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And so this is what I would find incredible. That Jesus, being equal with the father, would be willing to submit to him. But wives and others would cry out injustice when God calls wives to submit to their husbands. Let me say that one more time. We cry out injustice when God says, wives, submit to your husbands. But Christ, being equal with the Father, was willing to submit to Him. And so the model that we have received and that we have been given is that as Christ was willing to submit to the Father's leadership, wives would be willing to submit to their husband's leadership. So wives, as you walk with your husbands in this relationship, you experience Christ. You meditate on Christ as He was willing to follow the Father. As it was difficult for Christ as he was in a garden. Suffering about to die on a cross. But he said not as I will but as you will. Wives that you would walk with your husbands in this loving respectful and faithful way. But there are other qualities that this wife is called to. There's respect. When you slander your husband behind his back. He does not feel respected. Even if he doesn't, he may not find out about it. Your lack of respect for him will come out in other ways. As Byron said yesterday in the, in the wedding, and, and it's illustrated in so many different ways in our marriages sometimes. It doesn't matter how other fee people feel about the husband. If a wife disrespects her husband, the husband is broken. Utterly broken. So wives, if you feel like your husband isn't loving you as Christ loved the church, it won't do any good to be mean to him or to slander him. It won't do any good to nag him. The message of Christ is you love him and you respect him. You pray for him. 
Now, what about wives with unbelieving husbands? I know there are very difficult issues here. And I pray that the Spirit would give you wisdom as to how to apply these things to your situations. But 1 Peter chapter 3. And I'll read a few verses here. Peter says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. The message to you wives whose husbands are not believers is continue steadfastly in Christ. Let the attitudes of your heart, the love for your husbands in Christ, be the witness that proclaims Christ and even draws your husband to Christ. And if this would be the message for you wives who have husbands that are not believers, how much more is it the message for you wives who your husband claims to be a believer, but he's just not walking with the Lord? Maybe he's just not loving you correctly. This is the message. Continue steadfastly in Christ. You never, even in your freedom in Christ, have the right to simply rebel against your spouse. You never have that right. That's never okay living in Christ. Of course, if your spouse is seeking to make you do something sinful, we have a higher authority and we are called to obey God. But sometimes just in bitterness and resentment, we seek to rebel against the other, thinking this will do good. But the message that Paul's giving is, what changes your spouse is not bitterness, is not yelling, is not being contentious. It's love. It's Christ-like love. It's respect. And even submission. So... And this entire passage on husbands and wives and even the whole biblical story of what God calls us to. What we want to emphasize is that we want the model that God calls us to. And that model is that husbands, you're responsible for your family. So if your family is not walking in the word, if your family is not living in Christ, it's because you are not being faithful. It's because you're not walking in your God ordained duty. You're responsible that your family knows Christ. Have you prioritized your job and success in that above your family? Are you more prideful in what you do at work than your family and how your children walk with Jesus? Husband, husbands, your duty is to lead your home. To make sure that they know God. And so we get into children. Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. I think it's appropriate that today is Family Sunday. And so we have more of our kids in our service with us. The teaching is that, children, you have been given your parents to teach you about who God is. And so as they teach you things and they give you commandments, you're to obey them. And as you learn to obey God, uh, your parents, you're also learning to obey God. Students, if you can't obey your parents, you can't obey the Lord. 
They are the authority figures that God has placed over you. And so as you rebel against your parents, you're also rebelling against God. And so the God-ordained order is that you would submit to them. That you would listen to them. And parents, the teaching for you is, particularly husbands, that you're providing instructions for your children. Very specific instructions that you, of what your children are to do and how they are to behave. Are you providing these parameters for them? Are you instructing them daily, teaching them how to walk? I want to challenge especially the students who are getting 17, 18. Your parents are going to begin to give you a little bit more freedom. Are you being faithful with the freedom? Are you continuing to live under authority and under submission to God and His ways? Next, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Paul is giving this instruction because it is particularly fathers that are going to have a trouble with expecting more out of their children than they should. And so fathers, love your children. Be tender towards them. Don't expect too much out of them. Expect a lot and teach them well, but be kind and tender-hearted. Lest they become discouraged, lest they lack confidence. You should be the ones that are helping to build this esteem in them, telling them of God's love for them, of your love for them. This is your role. And then slaves, you are free to serve the Lord. This is a delicate, delicate teaching. And I want to explain more of the context of what Paul is saying. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 21 through 22. Those are in, these verses are in your notes. Paul says here, Were you called as a slave? Do not worry about it. But if indeed you are able to be free, make the most of the opportunity. For the one who was called in the Lord as a slave is the Lord's freedman. In the same way, the one who is called as a free person is Christ's slave. What Paul is saying is, is if you're able to be free, make yourself free. But if you're not able, serve the Lord freely because you've been made free spiritually. And so you're no longer simply serving this master who will beat you, but you're serving your Lord Christ and he will reward you greatly. And so serve freely don't serve like you're in bondage but serve as if you are free and even in this your masters will see christ it is also clear however from this passage that that paul is not for slavery it's the sense that paul if you can be free get free this is also clear from philemon he writes to a slave owner who's one of his slaves has escaped and since he has escaped has become a believer but Paul says, you need to do right, you need to go make right with this slave owner. But in the letter, Paul says to the slave owner, I expect you to do the right thing. He expects him to make the slave free. So Paul is seeking the freedom and slavery of, of, in some sense. But he's saying, if you're forced to be a slave, then serve Christ freely. We can make many applications to this, and particularly verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. 
you are serving the Lord Christ. This is all of us in all of our lives. Work heartily to the Lord. It is him you will receive a reward from. So when you go to work, whatever it may be that you do, children, when you do chores, you're working for the Lord. Your entire life is the Lord, so you work so that you may bring him glory. So all you do should be done in excellence. This is the point to the slaves. They don't do just what it do, takes to get by, but they work for excellence to the Lord. And they glorify him in that. We'll cl close. I'll ask uh, musicians to come forward. And as we do, the emphasis we want to make as we close is that the home should reflect God's new creation in Christ Jesus. And God's new creation is we are all equal before God in the home, but we also have uniqueness before God in the home. And so, husbands, you're responsible. What goes wrong in your home, you're supposed to take the lead. It is your God-ordained rule in all of creation. This is what the Bible expresses. It is not a cultural thing. It is a forever thing. Husbands, you are called to lead. And regardless if you're trying or not, you are leading. You are. Wives, respect your husbands and love them. You have the power to break them. Don't choose that. Choose to love them. Choose to make your hus husbands feel encouraged. Children, submit to your parents in the Lord. Because as you learn to submit to them, you are learning to submit to God. And so I'd ask you if you'd even be willing to pray with your families during this invitation time. That you would just ask God that he would lead you. And husbands, that you would be the leaders that you're called to be. And there are always people here available. I'm not going to ask Mr. Allen, Dr. David to come forward. I'm just going to ask them. They may be praying with their families. But even after the service, you're welcome to do this. But I challenge you, families, if the family is not healthy, this church will not be healthy. And so you are called to walk in this way. And so if there are amends you need to make, you need to make those. Your repentance is due to the Lord, and then your duty is to your family. And so I urge you to be faithful. I urge you. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you've given us instructions and how we live this life, and particularly in family. Lord, for how we, husbands and wives, are supposed to deal with our difficulties, the struggles of uh, different personalities and different genders. Lord, thank you that you've given us these instructions to love one another. Thank you that in Christ Jesus we are equal before you. Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength through your Spirit to obey these commands. I pray that our children be ones who seek you by obeying their parents. And Lord, that our fathers would be good leaders in their home. Lord, help us to walk faithfully. We thank you for your grace and your forgiveness, Lord, that this is a journey and you give us the strength that you forgive us of our sins when we fail and you restore us and help us to grow. We thank you, Father.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.